Why don't you uh, grab a Bible? We're going to be jumping in and around a few different places uh, tonight, and we're going to begin uh, looking at the little verse in Psalm 71, uh, which uh, I've spoken about over the last uh, couple of weeks. And, and for me, uh, this has kind of framed my thinking, uh, I guess, for the last um, for the last few weeks. If you haven't been here and you've missed a few weeks, um, we've basically been thinking a little bit about our vision uh, and the, and the way that God is calling us forward here uh, at some. Paul Shadwell. Uh, yes, I guess it's kind of one of those things that uh, is in our sort of culture here that we like to do that a couple of times a year to think about our vision uh, and, and to think about how it is that God's calling us uh, all to be involved and to play our part in that. Um, but you know, as I've come into this uh, season, uh, this time, it's actually it's been really tough. Uh, I, I've had a really tough summer. As a church, we've had a really tough summer. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff that we've been grappling with. Uh, life and death and change and uncertainty. Uh, and it's been really, really challenging. And, uh, and actually, as I came into this autumn season, I, was just, I think I, I felt myself kind of just, sort of my body language, I felt a bit like this. I was a bit tired. I was a bit fatigued, fearful, frustrated. These are the things that pull our eyes down. And, and, uh, and God's really just spoken to me so much through this little verse. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. And it's funny how just one little verse, the Holy Spirit can use it just to grab our attention. And for me, it's something that really helped me lift my eyes up again and remember that actually God is my confidence. I am confident because I see Jesus I've been reminded of that, and, and I've been reminded of the call, the strong call that we have as a church here to be bold, to be bold. And as I thought and I prayed about that, stepping into this kind of autumn season here, I just felt that God was saying to us, you know, the call is to be bolder, bolder. You know, if bold was the word, the word now is bolder. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been asking God to give us a bolder vision of who Jesus is. Uh, and we talked about how we need to lift our eyes. Hey, can I, can I, can I do my little illustration with you that just kind of doesn't work in the evening service, but I'm going to do it anyway. Is that okay? Yeah, it kind of fell on its face last week, but I'm going to do it again. Uh, I, want you all to, I want you all to look down. Look down for me. Let's see our body length. Oh, you know, if we're fearful and fatigued, our eyes go down. I want you to imagine if you're kind of like staring like deep into your belly button or something like that. Deep into the inside of yourself. You know, and with your eyes down, I want you to, to wave if you can see what's in the window behind me. You can't, you can't, but look up. And actually, it's, it's still quite hard because it's not light outside. You can't see it anymore. Okay, but I promise you, Jesus is in the window. This works so well in the morning. Um, there's an amazing picture in our window that many of you will know because you come in the mornings as well and it's a picture of Jesus risen, the ascended Christ and it's there all the time but if our eyes are down we don't see it you know and the invitation that we have from God is to lift our eyes to see Jesus afresh to be bold to regain our confidence because of what we see eyes up. Uh, and, and then, of course, the amazing byproduct of that is that as our eyes are lifted up, actually we see everything else too. 
Our eyes are up and our eyes go out. And actually the, the picture that we have of Jesus, the vision that we're given of Jesus, actually then becomes the lens within which we see everything else around us. Eyes up and eyes out. Well, today I want to speak a little bit about eyes in. Eyes up, we get our confidence back. Eyes out, we see our context. Eyes in, we get to think about our contribution. So today is an opportunity for a little introspection uh, where we can all consider how we play our part. But actually the order is really important. Up, out then in. We never want to start just by looking at ourselves. You know, so often if we do that, our eyes just get stuck there. First we see Jesus, and then through Jesus we see everything else. And then actually our response comes out of what we have seen as we take the time to think about how we contribute. And, and today uh, we're going to think uh, particularly about how we contribute financially, to think about our financial giving. You know, as is our custom here, a couple of times a year, we like to think about what does it mean for us to play our part and to give financially as worship, but also in response to the vision that God has given us. And, uh, and this is family business, really. You know, so if you're a visitor, if you're a guest here today, uh, you know, I don't want to scare you off. I don't want you to feel under any compulsion to do anything that you don't want to do. Uh, but we love talking about this stuff here at St. Paul's because actually this is the stuff that really matters to us. The way that we order our lives and the things that we choose to do in order to worship Jesus who loves us. And I would encourage you, if, uh, uh, if, if you're not the kind of person that takes notes, this would be a good thing to take notes on. Uh, you might just want to come and challenge me on a few points maybe. You know, I'm looking at Nick here. Um, I don't know, no, not really. You, uh, you can come, but actually jot these things down. It's really important, actually, that we can take this stuff away and have a conversation about all of this. So I would encourage you, engage with what it is that God is saying to us. Because the first thing that I believe that God is saying is that God says, give. God says, give. You know, if you do a word study, a kind of keywords in the Bible, uh, you can see that, that the word believe, a good biblical word, yeah? Believe is used 272 times in the Bible. The word pray, another good biblical word, yeah? The word pray is used 371 times. The word love, 714 times. If you search through the Bible, the word give is used 2,162 times. You know, now, we don't want to get too caught up in kind of word studies and or some of these like counting up numbers on things, you know. But, but the, the point is, is that God says give and he says it a lot. In fact, the whole of the Bible is really framed around the idea of generosity, around the idea of giving. Yeah, and in fact, Jesus, when he walked here 2,000 years ago, he spoke about money and he spoke about possessions more than anything else, really. Yeah, one of the classic uh, things that you hear Jesus say in Matthew 6 is, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. No one can serve both God and money. You know, this was typical of what Jesus taught as he walked amongst us here just a few thousand years ago. It's clear from Jesus that our attitude towards our possessions and our finances shape who we are. In fact, it reveals our heart. There are so many opportunities for us to either kind of restrict or release the things that we have, to to, to grip or to give what's been given to us. And Jesus challenges us over and over and over again. Uh, And in fact, uh, the message that Jesus gives then echoes on throughout uh, the New Testament writing. And and perhaps, you know, one of the most helpful verses that I've found, really, that kind of seems to summarize uh, this idea of of generous living and and giving, open-handed giving, uh, is what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. Paul kind of summarizes it all up and he writes in 2 Corinthians 9 verses 6 and 7. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So give what you have determined in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we're just going to sit in this in this verse for a moment, and uh, and, I, and I've I've got something I've got something a little bit clever for you tonight. Is that okay? You know, I've I've worked out a little acrostic. Yeah, yeah. You can take this one away. Okay, so you can kind of see straight away where this is going to go. Uh, but a little acrostic for you tonight, which really uh, kind of comes straight out of this verse. You know, the first thing that we're reminded about when we think about giving is generosity. You know, I've said already that the Bible just seems to be framed by generosity. Almost on every single page. It's about our our generous God, who right at the beginning generously created and uh, and poured out an abundance here for us to enjoy. This abundant creation. You know, but then our generous God didn't just kind of sit off somewhere. Actually, he got involved with us, generously allowing us to steward the stuff that he had made. Uh, And actually, we know the story. Men and women messed it up. And, And actually, we broke this creation that God had so generously allowed us to steward. Your selfishness, independence came into this creation. And everything got broken but again God didn't just sit off afar somewhere but he generously steps back into the picture over and over to save and to rescue and we see Jesus coming and paying generously the price for every wrong that has ever been done and every wrong that ever will be done in order so that we can step back into a right relationship with our generous creator and the abundant creation that he's calling us to steward well for him. You know, this is the story of our generous God, the the good news, the generous gospel about how he rescues us over and over and pulls us back towards himself. You know, this is the heart of what we read in every page of scripture. Generosity is fundamental 
And when we think about how we give, well, we just give generously. That's G, okay. Yeah, we give generously, but you know what? We also give intentionally. Intentionally. Uh, Paul says, determine in your heart what to give, and then give it. Hey, any, does anyone budget here? Anyone, anyone ever done a budget? You know, a few, a few of us submitting to doing budgets. I, I budget. You know, if you don't budget, I encourage you to budget. Very, very important thing. Write that one down. Uh, budgeting is really important, and I'll tell you why it's really important. Uh, because I know if I don't think about what I'm going to spend, and if I don't pay any attention to, to kind of trying to match my expenditure to my income, things get a bit messy. It doesn't just work out. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. You know, I've experienced, it doesn't just work out. You know, when it comes to our finances, when it comes to management of our lives, we've got to be intentional about it. We've got to think through what it is that we're going to do. Yeah, I know I'm, I'm like super late to the game here, but Charlotte and I, we've just, um, we've just opened up Monzo accounts. I'm really quite excited about this at the moment. Uh, anyone got a Monzo account? Yes, we can just like monzo each other money and stuff. That's great. But we found it really helpful to suddenly get intentional again in a different way and kind of switch up our patterns and rethink, you know, how is it that we're going to create sort of pots of money and think about how it is we manage our finances. But, you know, it's exactly the same with giving. You know, I know if I don't think about giving, well, it just doesn't happen. You know, I'm sure many of you are way more naturally generous than I am. You know, but my challenge to you is we've got to be intentional about this stuff. Otherwise, it just doesn't happen. We've got to be generous. We've got to be intentional. Uh, but, you know, when we give, we give voluntarily. We give voluntarily. You know, Paul says, not reluctantly, but under compulsion. You know, the Bible is full of amazing principles and, uh, and laws around giving. You know, many of them are kind of examples that we draw from the Old Testament, uh, where actually there were literally just that whole series of laws around how the people of God should give, about how the people of God should organize their lives in order to be in a right relationship with God. But you know, is anyone, is anyone excited today that they do not live under law anymore? Yeah, I am. You know, we live under grace today. You know, we never have to give reluctantly or under compulsion. That's just not the way it works now. Jesus came and changed all of the rules. You know, when Jesus came and walked on this earth and died for you and for me and rose again in order that we might just know the generous love of God once again, freely. You know, no longer do these laws apply. You know, we live under grace, just grace. There's nothing that you can do or can't do to make God love you more or less. We never give reluctantly or under compulsion. That's just not what we're called to today. But we do give enthusiastically because God loves a cheerful giver. We give because God loves us and we want to love him back. You know, you could put it like John puts it right at the end of the Bible when he says, we love because God loved us first. God loves a cheerful giver. Give generously, give intentionally, but give voluntarily. 
give enthusiastically. You know, and that's kind of the heart behind everything that we think about giving and about playing our part and about contributing. And everything that we say or talk or think here at St. Paul Shadwell about giving needs to be kind of undergirded in that value, really, of giving generously, intentionally, voluntarily, and enthusiastically. G-I-V-E. There you go, you take that one away. You're welcome. Um, but hey, you know, you might be sitting there and say, that's all very well, Phil, Look, you know, you've done a little clever thing and you spelt out give. But, but you know, what does that actually mean? How do I do it? You know, how is it that I should give very practically? What do you do? Well, just very quickly, I've got two principles that I'd love to share with us tonight, just really quickly, that, that kind of just reveal a little bit more about some of the practicalities, basically about how it is that we're to think about our giving, structuring our giving. Because, uh, you know, the amazing thing is, is that the Bible really does stand up here. Uh, the Bible is an instruction manual for our lives. You know, and we can put it to the test and take it at its word. There's always something that the Bible can reveal to us about the practicalities of what we do and choose, how we organize our lives. You know, so as I said, in the Old Testament, we see a whole series of, uh, of examples of giving, uh, principles that we can learn from. And, and whilst we're not under the laws that the people of God used to be, we can certainly draw a whole series of principles that we might want to use in order to help us think about structuring our giving, structuring and organising our finances. Uh, and the first one that I'd just love to, to pull out tonight is the principle of first fruits. Because we, we give from first fruits. Now, if you're jotting things down tonight, write that one down. We give from first fruits. And as I say, it's a principle that we see in the Old Testament. And uh, I'm, don't turn there, it'll take too long, but I'm just going to very quickly read from Numbers chapter 28 and, and then from Proverbs chapter 3, just so you get a flavor. Uh, on the first uh, day of, of first fruits, when you present to the Lord an offering of new grain during the Feast of Weeks, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. Present a burnt offering of two young bulls, one ram and seven male lambs, a year old, as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. It's Numbers 28, verses 26 to 27. And then it's echoed throughout lots of the Old Testament, this, this idea of, of first fruits and, and the festival of, of first fruits. And then the Proverbs pick it up. And it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Hey, who wants some vats of new wine? Anyone? Yeah, I do. You know, the, the, the kind of the lesser known festival of, of first fruits is something we can learn a lot from. It's really a, an offering that teaches us quite simply that we should honour God first. And we should honour him with our best. In fact, the Hebrew word here translated as first fruits actually kind of means choicest or, or chief. It's the first and the best part of what we have. 
Uh, and basically, when, when God's people would prepare uh, their first fruits offerings, what they'd often do if they had a field, they'd go into their field and they'd see where the harvest was just beginning uh, to bloom. And they'd go out and they'd tie a cord all the way around that bit uh, of the field that was, that was coming uh, ripe first. They'd tie that cord and they would section it off and say, that is the first fruits offering. That is what I am going to give to God first. And the interesting thing is that actually it was a free will offering. And here's the important bit. It was given before the harvest. The first fruits offering wasn't given in in a response to the harvest that they had. It was given in a response to the harvest that they hoped for. It wasn't about what happened or what was happening. It was about what they hoped for and believed for and trusted God for. They decided on a portion in their hearts to give and then they just gave it. They gave it freely. They gave it first. And I guess for us, you know, we might translate that as... um, The first thing we give in a month. The first thing. Before the rest of the month happens. It's the bill that goes out right at the beginning. You know, the first fruit offering kind of said that the first thing that I'm going to do is release a portion of what I have been given in order to say and declare that God is the only source of everything that I am being given. And I'm going to give it away to say nothing else other than I love him. I'm thankful for all that he gives to me. Uh, One of the things that I love as I've kind of studied this a little bit and looked at it is that, as we saw in the passage in Numbers, that often uh, these first fruits offering are accompanied by burnt sacrifices. You know, we read here about the burning of bulls and lambs and as a pleasing aroma to to God, I mean, when I think of that, to be honest, if I just think about burning bulls and lambs and I'm just thinking, I'm not sure that's, you know, burnt flesh, this is not, you know, it's not going to smell. But then I kind of think bacon, you know, or kind of some nice chops or something, you know, then it kind of makes a bit more sense to me. Uh, you know, but when you think about it, there's a whole other principle in here that we're not going to open up because we haven't got time today. But the whole idea of a burnt offering, you know, well, even it just seems so wasteful. I'm going to take this and I'm just burning it. Because actually I want to do nothing more with my gift than just say, Jesus, I love you. I want to give first. I want to give in response to the harvest I hope for. And I just, I just want to give. I just want to release the thing that I have. You know, the first fruit offering is about you. It's about you and God. It's between you and God. It's about your discipleship. It's about the love that you have, the worship that you have for God. And, and, and for me, just thinking practically, you know, when, when I try and think and Charlotte and I get together and think about our, our kind of first fruit offering, if you like, there's, there's three things that I found really helpful, three Ps, and I've said this here before. Uh, I'm just going to say it quickly, but I, I often like to think about, about priority, about, about proportions, and about, uh, and about progression. You know, for me, priority is, well, this is exactly what we're talking about here. You know, the fact that we give as a priority. 
You know, I learned pretty early on that if I didn't give first, then I didn't have much left to give. That's just the way it works. You know, and as, and as I said, you know, for Charlotte and I, actually what that means, it's the first thing in the month. You know, the first thing that goes out of our account in the month is, is our offering. It doesn't matter what's coming up in the rest of the month, that's gone. We've said, Jesus, we love you, and we're just giving this away to you as a part of our discipleship, as a part of the love that we have for you. Uh, and actually, very practically, the way that we do that is we've got a direct debit. We use a thing called stewardship. It's a, it's a kind of a charitable organization that helps manage giving. There's lots of ways you can give. You can, you know, if you want to give here at this church, you can, just, you can give straight into our, into our bank account. That's actually one of the, the, the best ways to do it. Uh, it's, it's really tax efficient way uh, we can claim gift aid on that and there's no kind of charges but there's lots of other charity organisations like Stewardship uh, that, that help manage your giving and help reclaim the gift aid and things like that the amazing blessing that our, our government gives to us and uh, uh, I mean the reality I just use Stewardship because I've been using it for 20 years you know, that's really the re- maybe I need to do a bit more intentional thought about is that the best way for me to do it you know I'm going to take that one away and think about that now but I use Stewardship it's a great way uh, for me to be able to give first and so it's the first thing that goes out of our account before any other bill if you like it's Charlotte and I stepping into our field and putting a rope around this portion and saying that's just God's we're giving that away you know as Paul would say decide in your heart and then just give it give first you know we want to give proportionally it's really difficult to think how much should I give where do I even start you know, and the Bible gives us all sorts of principles about this too. I'm not going to talk about tithing today. Uh, this tithing is a principle that many of you will, will have heard of and read about around 10% as a figure. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of principles that we can pull from that. You know, but let's remember, we, we don't live under law, we live under grace. We decide in our heart, intentionally and voluntarily we give. You know, and actually for some of us, giving 10% is going to be way, way too much. For some of us, giving 10% is going to be way, way too little. You know, we need to allow God to speak to us about this. But actually, I would challenge you to give proportionally. Think about what you get and then give a proportion. You know, for me, actually, I'm really grateful to my mum and dad. When I was a kid, they taught me to tithe. You know, when I got my first paper round, they taught me to tithe my paper round and my pocket money. Uh, and actually, I don't know, maybe for them, maybe they just thought, oh, this is a bit of fun at the time. But do you know what? I am so grateful to them because they discipled me in that when I was younger. Because I'll tell you what, as soon as I started earning proper money, it was a whole lot harder. But I'd been doing it for a while by then. And I'm grateful to my parents for that. Because actually, uh, as, as, as I've worked, and then as, as Charlotte and I have had money together, and as we've worked, uh, we've been able to go on giving proportionally. And then, and, then, and then finally, you know, two things tend to happen, you know, as we, as we go through life, all being well, and there's lots of reasons why it doesn't always happen like this, but, you know, uh, quite often our income tends to go up a little bit, and, uh, and quite often our faith tends to go up a little bit. And, you know, what? we want to reflect that in our giving too. You know, so, so we want to give as a priority, we want to give proportionally, and we want to give progressively. You know, Charlotte and I regularly think about how much uh, we give. As I said, I started giving 10% really early on. Actually, it just came, came really naturally then, because it was something that I just did. Uh, you know, but then as we, as we began to earn more, actually, we got used to that again 
and we began to think, well, maybe we could give a little bit more too. And so often Charlotte and I will try and think and pray about how much is, is it that we want to be giving. And, uh, and, and actually, I listened to a talk back in January, a, a talk that someone else gave on, on giving, and I was super challenged again uh, by listening to that talk. And, uh, and I went away again thinking intentionally about how much is it that God is calling me to give. You know, I want to be generous you know, I want to have faith in the way that I give. And, uh, and God really challenged me. And um, one of the things that he was challenging me about was actually, do I, do I give proportionally based on my net income or my gross income? You know, I, I've had all sorts of conversations with people about this. They say, oh, should we give based on our net or based on our gross? And do you know what? I honestly think the answer is God doesn't care. He just wants you to decide in your heart what it is you're going to give and then give it to him. You know, but I was really challenged, you know, and this is me, this is just for me. I was challenged at the beginning of the year just to actually start thinking about my giving as a gross income. You know, about from everything that comes in, you know, before I even pay uh, tax or anything like that. You know, how can I give proportionally from that? And actually it's something that we really have to think about because it's a bit complicated for us as well because I kind of get a bit of a stipend from the Church of England here and we get, a kind, of, we get kind of housing as well. But, but actually we're really blessed because we've, we've got a house uh, just down the road in Poplar that we used to live in uh, before I went and got ordained. And so actually we get a bit of rental income from that too. And so you know, we kind of had to work out well, what, is that, what, is that kind of that, what does that look like in terms of if we're going to try and quantify that uh, as, as a gross kind of remuneration and so we've had to try and really intentionally wrestle with that uh, and at the moment uh, you know we've worked out we, we give about uh, about 17 percent of our gross income and and I was really challenged at the beginning of the year uh, to actually try and put some faith goals some giving goals uh, down for us and so we kind of got our spreadsheet again, and we've done a whole load of planning. And for me, and again, this is just me, and I'm not saying this because I, I want you to say, hey, look at me. This is what, I'm saying this because I want to be accountable to you. And I want you to know that this is something that I think really seriously about and something that I think we, we all need to be thinking with God seriously about. But I'll kind of put a little challenge in for us and me and Charlotte, and we're just thinking, actually, by the end of 2020, could we be giving 20% of our gross income? You know, I want to give generously. I want to give in faith for the harvest that I hope for. You know, I've been really inspired as I've listened uh, to people like Rick Warren. I don't know if you've, you've heard much of Rick Warren. He wrote this amazing book called The Purpose Driven Life. He's a, an incredible pastor in America. And uh, The Purpose Driven Life blew up as kind of like basically the, the best-selling book under the Bible in the world for a period. It's just remarkable. And, and he, he became very wealthy because of that. Uh, and he often talks about giving. Uh, and, he, and he says, actually, what he and his wife have decided is that they want to be reverse tithers. They say, we want to give away 90% and we're, and we're going to keep 10% for ourselves. That, and I'm really inspired by that. You know, to, to go away, to think intentionally in their heart about what it is they want to give and then to give it. You know, and I challenge you, think intentionally about what it is that God is calling you to do. Decide in your heart and then give. I challenge you, give not in relation to the harvest that you have, but in the harvest that you hope for. Not because of what's just happened last month, but because of what you're believing for. Because I believe that God will meet you there. This is my experience, that as we give, God goes on blessing us. We give first fruits but finally you know we also give for fruit 
can write that one down as well. We give from first fruits, but we give for fruit. Uh, and just really, really quickly, because I want to wind this up, um, uh, just another, another principle from the Old Testament. Um, I, I don't know if you remember, uh, just a couple of weeks ago we were talking about Daniel and there was this period uh, in the life of the people of God where basically um, Israel had been smashed to pieces, uh, Judea, which was the southern kingdom, had been smashed to pieces, the temple had been destroyed in Jerusalem and all of God's people had been carried off in exile. And, and then a couple of hundred years later, uh, a king releases the people back to go and rebuild the temple, to rebuild God's house in Jerusalem. In the book of Ezra, in the first chapter, uh, the call went out to rebuild God's temple in Jerusalem. Uh, and verses 5 and 6, it says this. It says, it says, Then the family heads of Judea and Benjamin and the priests and Levites and everyone whose heart God had moved prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. All their neighbours assisted them with articles of silver and gold and, and goods and livestock and with valuable gifts in addition to all the free will offerings. You know, if a first fruits is a principle that's about us, that's about me and God, that's about my worship for God. Well, you know what? Here's a principle about giving for fruit. This is something that is about all of us together. As, as together we step forward and build and rebuild God's kingdom. As we build God's temple together again here in East London. You know, and of course, this isn't just about building buildings. Temples weren't just the buildings. You know, temples uh, back then, were the, they, well, they were the center of a community. They were the center of a community. That's where people got cared for. Uh, It's where culture was created. It's where commerce was kept. You know, this is where people did life together. This was God's kingdom. This is where you saw the rule and reign of God impacting whole communities. This is what the people wanted to set out to rebuild together. They were given a vision to build God's kingdom. And that's what we have here. At St. Paul Shabwell. We've got a vision to make disciples, to transform communities, and to plant churches. You know, it's a big vision, and I believe our mission is expanding, and we want to go on responding to the things that God is calling us to. Yeah, and so again, really practically for Charlotte and I, as well as as well as giving at the beginning of the month, you know, maybe once, twice, maybe three times a year, we might sit down and think specifically, actually, is there are we gonna to respond to some kind of need? You know, is there, is there some kind of vision that we feel God really putting on our hearts? You know, is there something that we can give over and above our regular giving in order to support and respond to what it is that God is saying to us? And you know, we've got an exciting vision here, and I love the way that so many of you give so generously into that. And there's loads of different ways that people do this. There's, there's a couple here that, uh, that are amazing. And, um, you know, we're just coming up to our, uh, our bonfire and fireworks party that we, that we annually hold here. It's just an amazing opportunity to invite all the community to come and join us. And, and actually, for the last few years, they've said, hey, we, we, want, we want to buy all the fireworks for that because we believe in that event. We believe in gathering our community together. Uh, and, and actually, we know the fireworks aren't cheap, but we want to give to that. Because we've got a vision for seeing people come and gather. And they give so generously in that way. It's amazing. I know so many of you give to specific things 
in incredibly generous ways. But I, just as we finish, I just want to throw out a few of the things that are exciting me at the moment as I think about the way that God is, is calling us forward. You know, I love the fact that God is kind of, I feel like he's building a momentum within this church to really reach out to young people. And, and actually, if I'm honest, over the last couple of years, it's actually been a really challenging area for us to engage and to go on engaging uh, young people here in this area. But it feels like the Holy Spirit is just beginning to build something of a momentum there. You know, we've got this amazing project on a Thursday afternoon that Michael heads up and uh, we partner with XLP and, and ambassadors come over and do some football and, and we're meeting with, uh, with 10s, 20s, 30s, 40s kids over here on the estates here, building relationships, you know, trying to think about how do we build bridges into God's temple, into God's house, so that we can, how can we tell these guys about Jesus who have never heard about them before? You know, I'm excited about that, you know, as well as the ways that we're investing in the young people that are already here in the church. And actually, we've, we've, uh, we've, been, we've been successful in uh, just winning a grant uh, for 50 grand to be able to put money towards uh, a project um, in fact, just increasing the projects that we've already been piloting here. Uh, but, you know, some of us were thinking and, and praying about this. And, and I just feel that, that God is saying, well, that's too small. You know, can you think bigger than that? And actually, what we would love to do is, is raise another 50 grand to be, able to, to be able to put 50 grand in as a church. And then we've got an amazing funder down the road, uh, uh, which I, I think we can go to them and say, look, we've got 50 grand here. We've got another 50 grand that we're putting because we're putting the, our money where our mouth is. And we want you to match fund that. And we want you to give us another hundred grand because we've got a really strategic five-year project that we believe we can do. Something really important in the youth space here in East London. You know, if you walk over into the estates over the road, I'll tell you what you'll see. You'll see a whole load of empty youth centres that are shut, that are covered in grates, and they're locked up with chains. There's so much funding that has been pulled out of this area. You know, there's an amazing uh, drug and alcohol abuse project, you know, for people with substance abuses right across the road. You know, mental health charities, and the funding has been pulled. But the reality is, is it opens up an opportunity for the church to step in and to come and bring life and love back into this area. You know, I'm excited about doing that. I feel like God's giving us a vision for doing that. I feel like momentum is building. You know, I talked a little bit earlier about evangelism. We prayed into our mission earlier. I'm so excited about this opportunity that we've got this week to partner with the police and with refugee agencies to work against modern slavery. You know, what an incredible opportunity. What a privilege for us to be able to give our resources to be able to help some of the most vulnerable in our community. You know, I feel like there's a kind of a London project, if you like, that's beginning to build here as we think about new ways and new partnerships that we can form in order to bless and to really transform our communities. You know, as I said, we're gearing up uh, for growth again for another season of night shelters. We want to get a new washing machine, a new dryer. We, we want to put a commercial dishwasher in the crypt so we can uh, really do this stuff well and serve the men and women well who are coming into this place. You know, we've got vision for that. It's just one of the ways that we're building and rebuilding God's temple, God's kingdom here. You know, we've always been excited about church planting in this place. It's kind of our story you know, men and women being raised up and sent out of this place. You know, released to be a blessing and to build God's kingdom outside of our 
boundaries. You know, it's been amazing in the last two years to bless uh, the guys down in Canning Town and send out a number of families. And actually, you know, we were able to send out the Brodie Levinsons and Krista just this summer to go and support them even more. You know, what a privilege to bless that church plant. You know, we've been able to work with Ed and Katie Stock down in Southwark, just south of the river. You know, and they were able to come and join us at Focus. We were able to care for them this summer. You know, I'm able to, to meet with Ed and encourage him and spur him on. You know, it's great that Dave Pilkington went out from here, uh, you know, just about 18 months ago and has now planted a new worshipping community on a boat in Stratford. You know, just th- this is our recent history, the way in which God has been raising up and releasing resources from this church. I'm going to introduce him to you if you've not met him uh, uh, another time. But, you know, we've got Father Bernard who's, who's here with us tonight. And Father Bernard is a Catholic priest from Vienna. And, you know, the Holy Spirit is doing something amazing in the Catholic context at the moment, bringing, bringing renewal uh, in certain parts of that church and releasing vision for church planting. You know, and for some reason, we seem to have just kind of got involved in the conversation, you know, and we're able to be a resource into that work too. You know, someone said to me the other day, you know, we should just have a church planting pot. You know, maybe quite literally a church planting pot, something visual here in the church that we can, uh, that we can just give into. You know, these are just things that it feels like these are the green shoots that the Holy Spirit is beginning to grow up in this place. God has given us a vision to make disciples, to build and to transform communities and to plant churches. You know, we all get to contribute, to play our part. You know, we give from first fruits. We give as worship, we give as love, but we give for fruit. As Jesus inspires us with need and with vision. 